Well, if you have a Bible, I want us to begin this morning in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 is where we're going to begin. For several weeks now in the bulletin, it's been announced that on this Sunday, May the 19th, that I was going to have a message entitled, The Poison of Pornography and the Pursuit of Purity. Now, for the most part, as a church family, we go through books of the Bible, like we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, but there are times and occasions where issues are so significant uh, that they need to be dealt with uh, uh, kind of on a standalone or a topical, a topical way, and that's the case today. Uh, before we get started, just one brief announcement, because of uh, some of the things that we're going to discuss, we encouraged parents to be discerning uh, whether or not you wanted your child to sit in with us on, uh, on this study, and in light of that, uh, many, many children are in children's church this morning, and had so many that we have to use a different room than we usually use for children's church, so if your child is in children's church this morning, you can pick them up on the second floor in room number 209, I believe is the room number. So uh, they're in a little bit different area this morning. I just wanted you to be aware of, of that. Did you know that pornography is poisonous? It's, it's not harmless. It's not uh, a shallow, uh, fleeting thing. It's extremely dangerous to the soul, extremely dangerous to the mind, extremely poisonous to the family, extremely poisonous to the marriage, and extremely poisonous to the soul. Proverbs, found about midway through the Bible, uh, uh, about the halfway point there, is a book full of uh, wise sayings. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs, so it's often been said, take a proverb a day, read through it, and you will get a good indication of what biblical wisdom is all about. If you were to do that, you might be surprised about the amount of space and the amount of time Solomon uses and takes to talk about lust and adultery and things along that line. And because we're um, talking about some pretty heavy things this morning, like we always do on Sunday before we do anything else, let's pray together. And Father, what we're asking is for um, biblical wisdom and insight. Father, we're not here to um, load down anybody with with guilt or condemnation. But we are, Father, however, in pursuit of exactly what was just sung about, that the chains would come off. We don't come blindly. We understand that there are some chains that are very powerful and very strong. But we give you glory that no matter how strong or how powerful the chain may be, it's not stronger or more powerful than the cross. And so, Father, we pray for freedom, for liberation, for revival, for Holy Spirit-saturated scriptural understanding of an important issue in our day. I pray for those who have not uh, succumbed to the issue of pornography, that you would guard their way, guard their path. And then, Father, I pray for those who are immersed in it, who are perhaps addicted to it, that you would speak a word of truth to them, that there is a way out by the grace of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Bible takes this issue very seriously, and so that'll be our intention this morning as well. Begin with me in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of 
life. So Paul, uh, excuse me, not Paul, but Solomon is saying, really, really, really pay attention to this. Everywhere you go, take this teaching with you. He says, verse 24, to preserve you. That's what the Bible wants to do. To preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a load of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? That's called a rhetorical question. The answer is no. Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. So do you hear a warning? Do you hear a clear warning? You can't carry fire next to your chest and your clothes not get burned. You can't walk on hot coals and your feet not get burned. You cannot uh, step in the path of lust and pornography and not get burned by it. You say, well, he's talking about, you know, someone who has adultery with his neighbor's wife. Well, go with me to Matthew chapter 5. So we get clear biblical understanding on this. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 27. This is Jesus speaking in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And I find it to be one of the most helpful scriptures on the issue of pornography. Because Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. Matthew 5 verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And by the way, that's what pornography is designed to do, to get you to look at a woman with lustful intent. Pornography, literal, literal translation from two Greek words, porneo, sexual immorality, grapho, writing. Pornography literally means writing or pictures of sexual immorality. That's the, that's the literal definition. So he says, don't do it. And then he gets a little more serious about it, if you will. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you'd lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And so you see, when Jesus talks about the issue of of adultery or sexual immorality or lust, uh, it's a very serious matter. You, You see that, right, from his words. He's essentially saying you've got to do whatever you have to do to stay away from it or to get out of it. He's saying this is not a small matter. This is a huge matter. And so for a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you under three three headings on the issue of pornography. The first one's going to be the pervasiveness of pornography. We're just going to talk for a few moments about how widespread it is in 2013 in, in our culture. So that's going to be number one, the pervasiveness of pornography. The second thing is going to be the poison of pornography. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about why it's so dangerous, what makes it unique, if you will. Uh, All sin is sin, but we're going to talk particularly this morning about why pornography in particular is so dangerous. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about protections from pornography. So that's where we're headed. That's our direction. Three points, three headings, the pervasiveness of pornography, the poison of pornography, and then protections from pornography. The wisest man who ever lived 
And Proverbs 6 gives us a stern warning. The Son of God Himself gives us a stern warning in the New Testament. And may we observe that the warning is placed in the strongest terms possible. And despite these clear warnings, we are a generation speeding up when we see the stop sign and not slowing down. So first of all, let's talk about, number one, the pervasiveness of pornography. Let's make an obvious statement. The pervasiveness of pornography has grown exponentially right alongside the technological revolution within the last 20 years. Obvious statement. Technology has, has changed in ways that we would have never thought possible 20 years ago. 20 years ago, it's 1993. Just think, just think for a matter, the technological interventions that have come about in the last 20 years. We can't go anywhere now without being around technology. You can't even drive anywhere anymore without someone telling you the way that you should have been going. And pornography at one time was a dark secret in the dark shadows and corners of the culture. And in order to, uh, to expose yourself to pornography years ago, you really had to go out of your way to seek it out. That's no longer the case. And Proverbs talks about not going to the, to the door of the adulterous woman. Well, guess what? Now the adulterous woman has come knocking on your door. It used to be you had to go to her house. Well, guess what? Now she wants to come into, into your house. And so when we talk about this matter, what oftentimes happens is uh, we understand its prevalence uh, frequently on, on the basis of, uh, of our age. Those who didn't grow up in this culture sometimes have no idea exactly how pervasive pornography has become. Let me give you just a few statistics. I'm not going to weigh you down with statistics, but it'll help you, help us understand how pervasive this issue is today. 12% of all websites are pornographic. That's 24,644,172. 12% of all websites are pornographic. 40 million Americans are regular visitors to pornographic websites. 70% of men aged 18 to 24 visit porn sites in a typical month. Seven, seven out of ten. I found this to be a little bit surprising. One in three viewers of pornography are women. 2.4, excuse me, 2.5 billion emails per day are pornographic. 25% of all internet search engine requests are related to pornography. The average age <clears throat> at which a child first sees pornography is 11. And the most popular day of the week for viewing pornography online is Sundays. That's a little bit of information about how pervasive pornography is in our culture. And it's presented a little bit of a unique challenge because it is viewed most frequently online or on tablets or on smartphones. Now, simple question. In your home, who knows more about technology, the parents or the children? Most homes, it's the children. So do you understand what we're trying to say of how dangerous this issue is? Because all too often, 
And the all-too-common scenario is the child is better at covering their technological tracks, deleting web browser histories, etc., than parents are at tracing what's been viewed online, what websites they visited, so on and so forth. And it creates an environment where children can be immersed in the darkness of pornography and parents have absolutely no idea. It's happened over and over and over in my uh, years of, of ministry where parents have come and said, I didn't have any idea. I didn't have any idea. And unfortunately, it's not an issue for young people only, but for all people. The 15-year-old guy and the 45-year-old guy, all the same. That's the pervasiveness of pornography. I'm just simply saying that we don't want to be a people who have our heads in the sand about this issue, that it's, like many sins in our day, become much more aggressive in its pursuit of us. So that's pervasiveness of pornography. Number two, let's talk about the, the poison of pornography. Viewing pornography is not a harmless habit, and it's not something to be taken lightly. It's absolutely destructive. The physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual dangers are very significant, and, and I just want to highlight three characteristics of pornography to you this morning. These three qualities are, one, pornography has a mocking quality. Secondly, pornography has a violent quality. And third, pornography has a progressive quality. First of all, <clears throat> the mocking quality of pornography. Pornography makes a mockery of God's intention for sex. And this, this is, by the way, what all sin does. What sin is, is a counterfeit of the good gift God already has designed for you. And what pornography does is it takes God's good gift of sex and it manipulates it and it twists it and it makes a mockery out of it. Now, all the messages of pornography go directly against God's design for sexual intimacy in marriage. Let me just give you a few examples. God designs sex to build unity between a husband and a wife. That's what it's designed for. Pornography teaches sex is everything except intimate connection between willing spouses. Secondly, God says sexual desire is good in the controlled context of marriage. But pornography says sexual desire cannot, indeed should not be controlled, but should be allowed to draw us to anyone we find attractive. And this, this is unfortunately why in our culture, uh, 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 and it's not just young, all people are having struggles with this, but young people who are exposed to pornography at a young age and then grow up immersed in it have their minds totally calloused to the things of God, to the Scripture, to the Holy Spirit, and ultimately in, in, in their life, when it comes to marriage, to their own spouse, which we'll talk to in, in a little more detail in a moment. Now, all sin involves a trade, a trade of something less valuable at the expense of something more valuable. And what porno pornography does is it tricks a man or a woman, if that's the case, into a momentary, shallow, and shameful pleasure at the expense of something much, much better. And that would be the ability to have intimacy 
with a faithful husband or a wife. Pornography trains the mind to desire adultery, not fidelity. And that's why, unfortunately, what will often happen is a man who's immersed in pornography and has a a mind given over to it will, in time, often um, act out these things, destroying marriages. Pornography trains the mind to be sexually self-centered, not sexually faithful. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. It's in Hebrews 3 that we see one of the destructive um, qualities of, of, of all sin, and I want to particularly apply it to this issue that we're speaking of. Hebrews 3, verse 12. We're talking about the poison of pornography and this first quality that it has a mocking quality. H- have, you, have you noticed, by the way, the way... Sex is talked about in our culture today. It's, it's the lowest common denominator now. On television, in movies, it's, it's, it's made fun of. And nothing is more a mockery to the unbelieving culture than the sexual intimacy of a man and a woman in, in marriage. Uh, it's made a joke of. It's mocked. That's one of the qualities of what we're talking about. Hebrews 3, verse 12 Take care, brothers. Now, that word take care is not, you know, sometimes you, somebody's leaving, you say, all right, take care. That's, that's not what this means. It means uh, it's, it, it's intense. Take care. Be watchful, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Did you see what he says? That, that you become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What he's talking about is when you're immersed in a sin like pornography, when you've given your mind over to pornography, you can't get away from it. It imprisons you. It's not a liberating sin. It's an, it's an enslaving sin. And all sin is, is enslaving but particularly this sin because it's something that you give your mind over to. Now let me ask you this question. Where is it that you can go in your life that you don't take your mind with you? You take it everywhere. You take it to the classroom. You take it home. Take it to church. Take it to Bible study. Take it to your quiet time. And a mind that's given over to pornography becomes a mind that's hardened to the things of God. Bible study, that's no longer interesting. Holy Spirit, holiness, purity... Uh, you, you become callous to them. Perhaps you've got somewhere on your body that's scarred, and, uh, and, 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 the, and the scarring has become calloused, and it's like you could take a, take a needle and, and, and prick it and it wouldn't feel anything. That's what he's talking about, about the deceitfulness of sin. When, when your mind's given over to pornography, you come to a service like this, and it's not affected in any way, shape, or form. Not because the Scripture isn't the Word of God, but because your hearts become callous to the things of God. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. A great promise from the scripture. But do you know the the reverse of that, I believe, is true? The impure in heart, they won't see God. They won't care about God. They want to talk about a thousand other things besides the one who created them. Pornography has a, first of all, a mocking quality. Secondly, 
under this heading, the poison of pornography, is that it has a violent quality. Pornography reshapes our understanding of sex, of manhood, and of womanhood. And it's inherently violent and inherently unloving. It's not about mutual love and caring, but it's more about sexual conquests. And one of the most dangerous things pornography does is it separates love from sex, leaving sex as the immediate gratification of base desires. Now, pornography is more prevalent than it's ever been. Let me ask this follow-up question. Are men happier than they've ever been? They're not, are they? You see these two things? Let's put them together. If pornography was so freeing, wouldn't men in a, in a culture where it's more prevalent than ever been, would they be happier? But they're not. Because like all sin, pornography makes false promises. It's not liberating, it's enslaving. Men were never designed for sex apart from love. Now here's a follow-up lie of pornography that's presented to men, particularly in our culture, over and over and over and over again. And the lie goes like this, that men are harmless, or excuse me, helpless victims in the current of sexual immorality. Now, 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 most men don't come quite out and say that, but what they say is something along those lines. Well, I just can't help myself. Well, that's what, well, that's what all men do. It's not what Jesus did. It's not what Paul did. It's not what Peter did. Now, it is true, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, and the strongest man who ever lived, Samson, both succumbed to lustful temptation. But men, we are not some helpless victims. We have a remote to that TV, Right? It has an off switch, doesn't it? There is another room that you could walk in, right? No, we must get out of this mindset that uh, we're helpless victims. Pornography, Pornography twists our understanding of sex, of manhood, and of womanhood. Minds that are immersed in pornography uh, begin to see women not as created in the image of God, but as sexual objects. It's dehumanizing. And it teaches a view of women that is inherently violent. And we can make this guarantee that as viewership of pornography is on the rise, violence in the culture will also be on the rise. Pornography is poisonous because of its mocking quality and because of its violent quality. And third, it's perhaps most destructive because of its progressive quality. What do we mean by that? The nature of all sin is progressive. It always wants more. That's the nature of sin. The nature of sin is not to take an inch and say, you know what, I'm pretty good with the inch. The nature of sin is to take an inch. And then once it has the inch, to go for a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. As Adrian Rogers said, and you know I love to quote Adrian Rogers, you give the devil a toehold, and he'll get a foothold. And once he gets a foothold, he will get a stronghold. And that's what pornography is. It's a stronghold. It always seeks to break out from its current boundaries. You remember what, uh, what uh, the proverb says, Can a man carry fire by his chest and not get burned? Now here's the lie of pornography. Oh, we're just going to look a little bit today. Just a little glance today. Uh, you've perhaps heard the old how to boil a frog illustration, right? I heard this years ago and, and have heard it in many settings. You, you, if you want to boil a frog... now. Quick question is, I don't really know why you would want to do that. But if you did want to boil a frog, here's how you do it. You take the frog, 
you, you put it in, a, in your pot. I guess you'll never use this pot again. But you put it in the pot, fill the pot with water, and then put it on the burner. And then just cut the heat up a degree at a time. And he'll adjust, and he'll adjust, and he'll adjust. And uh, I've never performed the, uh, the project, but what I'm told is that frog will actually sit there until he boils alive. Now, if you started with the boiling water and dropped the frog in, do you know what he would do? He'd hop right out. And you know what? The enemy knows that. The enemy knows that. And so most of the time, he does not begin with, with dark, hardcore pornography. He starts with something that's not quite that many degrees. But then do you know what he does once you're sit, sitting in the pot? <laughs> degree by degree by degree until men will sit there and watch things that a year ago, two years ago, they would have said, I would never look at something like this. But that's the progressive nature of pornography. We understand this progressive journey incrementally, step by step, by understanding how the human brain works. And this is why pornography and its progressive nature is so destructive. And I don't want to go into great detail in, in, in all of this, but let me give you just a few facts so that we understand the destructive nature. Is when it comes to the male brain, sexually explicit material triggers mirror neurons. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit out of my league, you understand. I'm, I'm reading to you now. And the neurons which are involved with the process of how to mimic a behavior contain a motor system that correlates to the planning out of that behavior. Now, in the case of pornography, this mirror neuron system triggers the sexual tension and the need for an outlet. And the unfortunate reality is that when a man acts out, this leads to hormonal and neurological consequences which are designed to bind him to the object he is focusing on. Now, quick time out. Who made you? Who designed you? Who created you? God did, and he made you this way. Now, what it's saying is, the way the man's brain works is, whatever his object uh, uh, is during, um, during sex, we're just going to talk about it clearly, his mind gets... Married to it, for lack of a better term. So, if you look at pornography when that happens, that image or that video or whatever it is, it gets imprinted on the brain. And you can't scrub that off. Now, the way God designed it was that that image imprinted on the brain is the spouse that you're faithful to and that you have an intimacy with her that you don't have with anyone else. She's your wife. They were naked and they were unashamed. That's what the Bible says. You'll leave your mother and father, hold fast to your wife. And the two shall become one. Now that's, that's one emotionally, that's one spiritually, and it's also one physically. So pornography enslaves the viewer to an image, hijacking the biological response intended to bond a man to his wife, and does two things. Bonds him to that image and loosens that bond with the spouse. Just hang with me. In men, there are five primary chemicals involved in 
arousal and response. The one that plays the most significant role in pornography addiction is the chemical called dopamine, which you've probably heard of. And it plays a major role in the brain system that is responsible for reward-driven learning. Every type of reward that's been studied increases the level of dopamine transmission in the brain. So if you're in school and the teacher says, man, you did an outstanding job, a little, little bit of dopamine gets released. And you say, oh, that... every type of reward. Now, this also includes stimulants such as cocaine, amphetamine, and methamphetamine. They act directly on the dopamine system. And dopamine surges when a person is exposed to novel stimuli, particularly if it is sexual in nature, because erotic imagery triggers more dopamine than sex does with a familiar partner. Exposure to pornography leads to addiction and teaches the brain to prefer the image and become less satisfied with the real-life partner. Now, one, are you saying that pornography is as addictive as cocaine? Answer, that's exactly what we're saying. Secondly, did you just say if a man views pornography on a regular basis that he actually prefers the image to his spouse, to his wife? That's absolutely what we're saying. Now, this is why it is so incredibly foolish to think pornography will be a temporary habit. Now, hang with me real fast. There's not many people who get up on a, on a given morning and say, you know what, I'd really like to be addicted to meth today. That's not how the nature of sin works. But there are plenty of people who say, and we call them gateway drugs, just a little bit of, say, pot, just a little bit of marijuana, and then the stimulant isn't quite the same, and so you take another step, and another step, and another step. That's how people get addicted to methamphetamine, and that's how people get addicted to hardcore pornography, is one little step at a time. That's why, again, it's foolish to think it's a temporary habit. I've had young men come to me struggling with this issue and say, my plan is to only look at this until I get married. And that's a foolish plan for the reasons we've just outlined. One, You can't say, I'll be addicted to pornography, and then I'll get married. You know what will happen if you're addicted to pornography and then get married? You'll be be married and addicted to pornography. That's what we just said. You've put images in your mind. And uh, I don't know of a bride on the planet that would be blessed by a statement like that, by the way. No, you won't be addicted to pornography until you get married. You'll be addicted to it when and after you get married. You'll carry those images with you. One last thing real quick. We all doing all right? We're just trying to talk real about the darkness. Is men will seek out a variety of new sexual images rather than being satisfied with the same old ones. This is what's called the Coolidge effect. Uh, We won't go into great detail, but basically is you begin to train your mind to need new images and new images and new images, and the images have to progressively get... um, well, what I would call worse and worse. And that's one of the primary reasons for the abundance, abundance and addictiveness of internet pornography. That's why there are 24 million websites. And this is, again, exactly the way drug addiction works. Pornography has a mocking quality, makes a mockery of God's design for sex. Two, it has a violent quality. And three, it has a 
progressive quality. Now, if that's all we had to say at the matter, that'd be pretty, uh, pretty much bad news. Well, we've got a third point, and that is protections from pornography. And for that, let's go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Now, you remember what Jesus said, right? You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if a man looks with lustful intent at a, at a woman, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. Therefore, if your right eye causes you to stumble, you tear it out, you cast it away, it's better that you lose your right eye than your whole body be thrown into hell. Or if your right hand causes you to stumble, uh, cut it off, throw it away, it's better that your, um, uh, you lose your right hand than your whole body be thrown into hell. Now question, was Jesus saying, if you look at pornography, you'll go to hell? Answer, that's not what he's saying. However, I do think this is what he's saying. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the defining characteristic of a resurrected, eternal life-bound believer is that you've been given the Holy Spirit of God. That's Romans chapter 8. Let me just say that again real fast. Oh, I almost fell over. (laughs) If you're a believer in Jesus, the defining mark of your life, the, the spiritual marker of authenticity is you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a simple follow-up question to that. If you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you will fight this sin to the death. That's what Jesus is saying. You've got to tear it out. You've got, you got to fight it. We're not going to come to peace. We're not going to have some sort of peace treaty with pornography. No, I have been bought by the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, as Paul says, I will honor God with my body. That's what Paul says here in this text, too. It's in that, in that line of thinking. Look what he says. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. That's what pornography is. It's this passionate sin that says, I'm going to reign in your mortal body. I'm going to take over your mind. Everything's going to become innuendo. Everything that's said, every image that comes across the screen, every person you look at, it's going to be uh, uh, leveraged with pornography in mind. That's the end result of pornography. It destroys your mind. And then you can't get away from it. Everything becomes sexual innuendo or sparks of thought that carries you back to that image and you become enslaved. That's why Paul says you can't let it reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will not have dominion over you. Do you hear this? Believer in the Lord, sin will not have dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under what? Let me give you a few protections on the basis of this scripture. Number one, we're going to talk about run from pornography, we're going to talk about run to Christ, and we're going to talk about run with others. Now, uh, Give me about seven, eight more minutes. First of all, you need to run from all exposure to pornography. And on this point, let's let the Bible define pornography and not the culture. Because the truth of the matter is, on the network television tonight, their television programming in its own nature is pornographic. And it won't be called that. What's pornography? Anything that leads you to lust in your heart after uh, another. That's what pornography is. So go with me to 1 Corinthians. If you're in Romans, just the next book over. Romans chapter 6. 
Protection number one, you've got to run from all exposure to pornography. You've got to run from it. Every time the Bible mentions sexual immorality, it says you've got to flee. You can't carry a fire next to your chest and not get burned. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. <clears throat> God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Praise God for that, right? It's a powerful God. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. For he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So there goes the excuse of, well, it's my life. I can do whatever I want to. Not if you're a believer in Jesus. You've been bought with a price. Now, what did he say in that that scripture is, uh, is the temple of the Holy Spirit? It's your body. Now, the church body is also the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then we're all together, temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say, let me give you this illustration. As unthinkable as it would be for you to have a pornographic image up on that screen today, it should be that unthinkable for you. You are the body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit for your body to be exposed to an image like that. That's what he's saying. You got to flee from it. You got to run from it. Don't let the, the, the nature of sin, which is diminishing returns in the sense that the first time it's shocking, and then the next time it's, well, it's not that big a deal, and then the third time, and then the fourth time, and then the 50th time, and then the 100th time. You have to see it the way that God sees it. It's a horrible sin. And again, I'm not saying this to load you down with some guilt so you walk out of here feeling defeated, but we understand from the Scripture that it ought to become unthinkable for a believer to participate in this. On this note, parents, 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 help Your children. Guard your children. Protect your children. Make it easier for them. While they are young, let me just give you a simple application. While they are young, please do not saturate them with entertainment. Now, now I know how it goes. I've got three children of my own. You know what they always want? They always want my phone. They always want the, 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 the tablet. They want it, want it, want it. Now, right now, at age five, six, seven, eight, they want it so that they can you know, play Angry Birds. I mean, I don't know. Watch PBS Kids. But just follow my line of thinking is when they get a little older, (laughs) that's not what they're going to want to watch. Yeah, you know, my children say PBS Kids right now, Curious George. But I'll tell you this, if I let them sit there for hours on end and watch and watch and watch as they get older, you know what? Most 14-year-olds don't want to watch Curious George. But you've already built into them the need for constant exposure to entertainment, and they're going to exchange Curious George and fill it in with something else. That's why Proverbs says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Did you know that the the company that owns Nickelodeon owns MTV? You don't have to do too much to connect those dots. They just want to ingrain your children with, uh, uh, with the habit now. So when they get a little bit older, they're going to watch that and they get to keep their uh, money is what it's all about, right? Advertising dollars. So be careful about this. Um, make it easier for them. Guard their exposure to technology. Now, I understand the world we live in and it's everywhere. Julie and I are to this day trying to find a restaurant we can take our children that doesn't have a 50-foot flat screen TV. We can't find it anymore. Answer, eat at home, right? Yeah, there you go. 
When those children left for children's church this morning, I watched them walk out. They are so precious. I love those children so much. And that's what I'm trying to say. They're going to be led somewhere. Parents, it's our responsibility. Romans 6.12, it wants to make you obey its passions. Passions refers to cravings, longings, desires. So the first thing, you've got to run from it. 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. The best defense, don't get stuck in the ditch. But here's the grace of God. If you're stuck in the ditch, we can get you out of that too. But on the front end, all the scriptural commands are don't go near it, don't go near it, don't go near it. So first protection is to run from it. Even if you've been immersed in it, pray to God today, a new day. From here on out, by your grace, God, help me. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The first protection is to run from it. Run away mentally. Run away from training your mind to bounce to other thoughts. This is why memorizing scripture is so important. It's a sad day when more men can conjure up images of pornography in their mind than can call to mind scripture. Practice focused prayerfulness. Run away mentally. Run away visually. Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. And then it might mean running away physically physically removing ourselves from tempting situations. Now you say, Pastor Brandon, if I'm going to do all that, I can't ever turn the TV on again. I can't ever get online again. Let me paraphrase Jesus in Matthew 5. It's better that you would turn the TV off than your whole body be thrown into hell. I'll be the only one at work, at school, in my class who didn't see that show last night or watch this, that, or the other. I can promise you on that glorious day when we stand before Jesus, he is not going to say, you know, I'd really wish you had watched a little more television. He won't say that, so you don't have to worry about it. Not only must we run from it, we must run to something else. It's not enough to flee youthful lust. We must also run to something else. And this is real fast where a lot of men, they really do desire. They really do desire. Most men that I've talked to on this issue, they want to be free. They don't want to be immersed in this. They want to be liberated from it. But it's, it's, it's not just enough to run away from it. You also have to run to something else. It's not enough to put it off. You also have to put something else on. This is the constant teaching of Scripture. So what do you mean when you say run to something? You have to do something with your time that you would be destructively wasting by looking at pornography. And the best use of that kind of time is to redeem it with good works. Look at Romans 6, verse 12. He doesn't just say, don't present your bodies or your members to obey passions. Look what else he says. He says, do not, verse 13, present your members as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. John Piper said, if we try to fight the fire of lust with prohibitions and threats alone, you've tried that, right? Prohibitions and threats. I'm not going to do it again. Even the terrible warnings of Jesus, we will fail. We must fight it with a massive promise of superior happiness. We must swallow up the little flicker of lust's pleasure and the conflagration of holy satisfaction. What does that mean? He means you've got to believe that if you'll give this up, God has something much better. God has something much better for you than sitting in a locked room, looking at a computer screen, fearful that at any moment someone may walk in. God has something better for you than that. Purity 
really is better than pornography. You've got to run from it. You have to run to other things. And then thirdly, you have to run with other like-minded believers. Running with others involves a certain level of honesty and intentionality. And we need real companions to help us flee youthful passions. The unfortunate thing is when it comes to pornography, most men try to fight alone. Now, pornography, in conclusion, is more prevalent today than it's ever been. It's being consumed in numbers and at rates never seen before. It's no longer a secret sin hiding in the dark corners or the dark shadows. It's marched its way into every home. And it's destructive to the soul because it's mocking, it's violent, and it's progressive. And for each person that has looked at it or is addicted to it, Jesus offers forgiveness and redemption and freedom. Because of its destructive and addictive nature, it's not easily overcome. There's not just a switch that you can flip. But it can be overcome by those who are daily willing to run from it, by those who are willing to replace it by running to good works, and those willing to run with others determined to permanently make pornography a thing of their past. Two scriptures, and then we'll wrap up. Go with me to Proverbs 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs 5, verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. Oh, now, oh, sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Last scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, Moses is not particularly talking on the issue of pornography. He is talking on the issue of sin. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Deuteronomy 30, 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over to Jordan and to to possess and enter. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today 
that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. We heard it over and over and over. That way leads to death. This way leads to life. Jesus says, Jesus says, don't go that way. And if you have gone that way, come on back over this way. There's redemption and freedom, forgiveness. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray together. I know these are not easy things that we've been talking about today. But I do think it's important for us to scripturally approach this matter. So I want you to bow your heads. And what I want us to do for our invitation is to have a time of prayerful response. Perhaps you've got young children in your home you want to come and pray for. A loved one that you know is burdened by this sort of issue and you want to pray for. Maybe you just want to stay right where you are. And pray to God, if, if this is an issue in your life, that He would gloriously liberate you, understanding that there needs to be diligent work in the days ahead, of running from it, running to something else, and running with somebody else. So, Father, our, my prayer is that nobody here today would just leave discouraged or beat down and just say, well... But, Father, we get the whole picture that this sin, it is serious. But our Savior is a glorious Redeemer. He can rescue us from the pit. And I pray, Father, that as as we live in a culture that's immersed in pornography, that we would not just idly sit by and let it wash over us. But we would be a people determined not to let sin have dominion over us, but to let our Savior have dominion in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.